0: Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. Tosie, so, well, I want to talk today about something God has just been putting on my heart and uh, thought it'd be good for us here today. Um, it's called Look to the Sun look to the son um, just recently I was at a pastor's a few weeks ago now a pastor's prayer group or something like that and uh, we were in prayer and one of the pastors had a word for me and he said I feel like God's saying that you need to try, stop trying to work something out and just look to the son just look to Jesus and trust him and he said to me afterwards he said did that, that mean anything to you and I said well it did it did. It actually, because I've been trying to work something out, but I couldn't figure it out, and uh, I was trying to understand why something was going on a certain way in my world, and that's all right. So, and uh, when I heard that word, I was able to just let go of it and say, you know what, it doesn't matter. Leave it to God, and uh, I just got this word from Him, like just this, and it, and it sat with me like, look to the sun, look to the sun, and I believe that God wants us to to look to His Son. He loves sunflowers yeah I learned an interesting fact about sunflowers hey I, you know this is, this is uh, flower power Dave right now sunflowers are interesting right one they look awesome right but uh, I, I think I learned why they call them sunflowers right. hey don't jump the gun it was new to me Enough said. It's time to go, right? (laughs) Here, Matilda, come and preach it. (laughs) I thought they were called sunflowers because they look like a sun, right? I thought, oh, that makes sense, right? They look like a sun. But it turns out, I just learned right now, the reason sunflowers are called sunflowers is because they face the sun and they turn and move with the sun all day. And then at night, when it goes dark, they reset to the east, or whatever, I guess wherever they're at, they reset overnight back to the position they started in, waiting and anticipating for the sun to come again. Isn't that interesting? Some of us already knew that. I was probably the only one that didn't. <laughs> but, uh, oh, Merlene didn't know So that's good, I feel, feel like I've got someone that... Isn't that funny? I thought, isn't that interesting? Do you know why it follows the sun? Oh, uh, Matilda, why does it follow the sun? Tell me. Oh, ho, ho, ho. great question. Why don't you answer that for me, Dave? There's two things that, ca- that happen for the sunflower as it follows the sun. One, it brings growth. And two, it helps with fertility for the plant to be able to reproduce right? So the extended sun that it gets actually makes it more fertile, I guess, if you like. So it brings life. And it really feeds into this whole idea of us being a life-giving church and that, you know, we draw energy from the sun, Not, not the sun out in space, but the sun, God's sun, when we face him, when we connect with him, when we come to him, we draw from him. He gives us energy, he gives us strength, he gives us sustainability. He gives us everything that we need, the Bible tells us, to be able to get through this life and be effective ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ." So once you come in John 6:40, it says, "For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Everyone that looks to the Son and believes in Him, shall have eternal life. We've got to lift up our eyes. We've got to look to Jesus in the difficult times, in the times when we don't understand, in the times when we can't comprehend why and what is going on. We need to lift up our eyes and look to the sun because Jesus has the answer. And it sounds crazy because because you think, well, how can someone like, you know, how could he have the answer? What's so special about him? The very special thing about him is that he is the son of God. He is the saviour, the Bible tells us. He is the Messiah, the one that came to reclaim humankind back into relationship with God. So he has the answers. He has the answers. Come with me to uh, John chapter 1 verse 29. then John gave this testimony I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him and I myself did not know him but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me the man who, on whom you see the spirit come down and remain on who see the spirit who come down and remain is the one who will, who will baptize you with the holy spirit i have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. That this is God's. Cho- I, I was reading this verse, and I, I, it struck me that here's John, and he says Jesus came before him. And and, but the reality was physically he didn't. John was actually born before Jesus, so John is referring to Jesus's. Divinity. He's referring to Jesus as the Son of God. He's referring to Jesus as God. He's saying He was before me and I was after Him. And Jesus was there long before John was, was there. And he says, He said, I saw Him coming towards me. I saw Jesus coming towards me and I said, Look, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I like the fact that it says sin. So many people read this verse and say sins, <clears throat> but to imply sins is to imply that there are different sins that have a ranking of different importance. Um, you know, we sometimes we like to think that oh, some sins are worse than other sin. That some sin is you know oh, you know that that is really bad. This not so bad, and this over here, yeah. That's not as bad either. But that one, really bad. And, and I love the fact that he doesn't, the word sins is not, is not used here because, because the reality is God doesn't see separate sins as such. He sees sin. And he puts all sin in one basket and says it's all as bad as the other. All sin is not good. The reason it's not good is one, because it's not good for us, but two, it brings separation between us and God. And so so John's saying, here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Jesus has come. The the purpose, he's revealing the the very reason why Jesus was coming. To take away the sin of the world so that he could have access back to the Father in heaven. And so we see that um, John is uh, declaring Jesus' role. He's declaring who Jesus is. We see that John has a purpose here to reveal Jesus, pretty much his only purpose was to reveal Jesus. He he was baptising people so that he could reveal Jesus. This is what he was trying to do. He was trying to point people to Jesus, to reveal Jesus and testify about him to those around him. This was John's job. This is what he was doing. He said, I had seen and I testify." I've seen and I testify. He says, I saw the Spirit. He had this encounter with Jesus and God and it left an everlasting impression and change on him. And he took this idea and he brought it to the people. And his job was to reveal Jesus. I believe that's us. Our job is to reveal Jesus to people. Our job is to reveal Jesus to people. If we're going to be a life-giving church, we have to be a church that draws that life from somewhere and shares it with people. That That we bring the life of Christ into the real world. We bring Christ into people's worlds. That we reveal Him and that we share our testimonies about Him to those around us. So I was thinking about this. Is how, I was thinking, how do we reveal Jesus, right? You know, John had one up on us, I guess, because he had Jesus in the flesh, right? Jesus was physically walking towards him. This was before Jesus died. So John, John was Jesus' cousin. They obviously knew each other. And, and, but he, he had this thing that, look, there is the Lamb of God. And he physically could point to Jesus in the flesh. There he was. We don't have that, right? We don't have a physical body of Jesus here to say, "Look, there is the Lamb of God." Then I was thinking, how do we reveal Christ? How do we? How can we point people to Jesus? What is? What? How do we do that? And I started to see what John was doing. His life was the evidence of Jesus and the goodness of God in his life. Just like our lives right now, we can't. We can't point to a physical body, but we can point to the evidence of who Jesus is. We can point to the evidence in our lives of what he has done, the changes and the transformations and the testimonies that we have about what, who Jesus is and what he's done in our life. It says in Revelation twelve eleven, it says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Two parts, the blood of the lamb, the sacrifice of Jesus and the word of their testimony of what Jesus or what God had done in their life that brought transformation. They overcome them because they were given this ability to reveal the Lamb of God, to reveal Christ into people's worlds. The proof is in the evidence in our lives, the transformations. The things that God has done show Christ to other people. When, I have, when you have cancer and you are now healed and your testimony is I prayed and I trusted God and he transformed my life. What is that? That is evidence that Jesus is real and that he's done something significant. He's like, when you've had depression or, or, or anything like that and, and, and you've come through that and you've come out the other side and your testimony is, I just kept trusting Jesus and allowing to lead me through this or that or whatever you know, process you went through. And I just kept trusting him that he was going to heal me and set me free. That is the indication of the goodness and faithfulness of God in our lives. Our stories carry his power. Our journey, our life, what we go through carries the power of Jesus into people's worlds. This is why sharing our story, our testimony is so important. Our ability to testify of the goodness of God and, and what He has done in our life because that's how Jesus is revealed. That is the job we've been called to do as believers. We come to Christ, we give our life to Him, we serve Him, and He gives us a story. He gives us a testimony, He gives us a message which has come out of our mess. He takes our mess and he makes it a message to share with others. It's because in that story, in that mess, in that life story, the story of our life of what Christ has done carries the power unto salvation. It carries the power of God into people's worlds. It opens doors of opportunity to share the Word with people, to say, hey, this this is what God has done for me. He can do it for you as well. This is what Jesus did in my life. He transformed my life. He set me free. He's given me the ability to live a good life. He can do the same for you. Let me show you how He does this. So many people want evidence of God. Well, you know, if God showed up in person and I could see him face to face, then I'd believe. If God would stop that situation like that and and, and it just, you know, all worked out, I would believe. If I could see God, if I could see God, I'd believe it. There was a guy in the Bible just like that. His name was Thomas Thomas. Thomas was a, I'll believe it when I see it kind of person. I'll believe it when I see it. Where am I? In uh, in John 20, verse 24, I think it'll come up on the screen, will it? Yeah, thanks. See, it says this now, Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So, this is after Jesus's. Uh, resurrection. He'd already died on the cross and he rose again and he came come and visited the disciples and Thomas wasn't there. So he's hearing secondhand that Jesus has risen again and he kind of got a, oh yeah, sure, whatever. Dead people don't come back to life. I'll believe it when I see it. And so he, so he, he says, and, uh, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. We look to the sun, they're saying. We are seeing the Lord, but He said to them, "Unless I see the nail marks in His hands and put my fingers where the nail marks are, and put my hand, in his eyes. it's kind of gross. Really. Let me just put my hand inside the wound and poke around. That's- I will not believe," He says. "I will not believe big words from somebody." to make such a bold statement. Someone that had followed Jesus, had seen what Jesus had done, had been witness to what Jesus had done and just happened not to be in that moment with the other disciples when Jesus revealed himself to them. And he says, I won't believe. He had heard Jesus talking about being resurrected. He'd heard about Jesus and, and all, the, all the confession that Jesus made about rising again and all that kind of stuff. But he says, I will not believe. I refuse to believe unless I have proof, physical proof that Jesus will show up, show me the holes in his hands and I'll get to put my finger through so it goes through and I can see it wiggle on the other side and I'll put his in his side. If I can do that, I'll believe. A week later, says in verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. (laughs) That would be pretty freaky in itself, wouldn't it, right? You know, the house is all locked up and here this guy just turns up, hey, here I am, peace be with you. Like, how did you get in? I just walked through the door. I don't know. But it doesn't really say how he got in there. He just appeared. But, uh, and he's like, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe, Thomas. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have seen, who have not seen and yet have believed. But I just want proof. I just want proof that that God is real. Jesus entertained Thomas with the outcome of this story. He showed up and said, Thomas, here, you wanted to see it, here it is. But he goes, blessed are the people who have not seen me and yet believe? And how do people not see the physical Jesus but yet believe in a Jesus that we can't see physically? And it's through our stories. It's through our testimony. It's through what Christ has done in our life that has brought transformation. If God can do it for me, He can do it for you. If God can set me free, He can set you free. If God can heal me, He can heal you. Why? Because I have a testimony in my life of God's healing. And that testimony is very, very real. Because it happened. You can't argue argue me out of that. Why? Because I experienced it. I encountered a God that has power to heal sick people. There are people in the room now that have had cancer and you are healed. Why are you still here? because that disease is meant to kill people. But here you are. What do you put it down to, all the medication? No. You might've had to take some medication maybe and treatment, yeah, but I guarantee you that's not why you're here. God might've used some of that to help you, but I can guarantee you the reason you're here is because God did something in your life. And if you were to talk to those people today, you would realize that their confession is not, oh, the doctors did a wonderful job. Oh, the medication, it was so wonderful. It healed me, it was amazing. The people I talk to say, God did something in my life. That's not to say that medications and things like that can't work. You don't not take those things. But the reality is in all of that, if you're looking to the sun, Are you looking to the sun? Because that's where the answer lies. But I, I want evidence. I want proof. Can I tell you there's proof all around you? Well, what is it? It's me. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. The person sitting next to you is the proof and the evidence of God's goodness and faithfulness to mankind. He's the, he, he lives within us. When somebody encounters me, they encounter Jesus. Why? Because I am a child of God. I have Christ living in me. This is the beauty of our God. Look to the Son. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, you don't know what I've done. I've been a bad person. I've done bad things. So have I. I've said terrible things. So have I. Thank God we have a God that takes away the sin of the world. Thank goodness we have a Jesus that came with the very purpose to reestablish our connection with our Father in heaven and remove all blockages and all things that could keep us separated from him. Because he came to take away the sin of the world. There is not one thing you could have done, not one, that would even slightly impact how much God loves you. Whether you have a relationship with him or not, he loves you deeply. You matter to him. You have a purpose. There is a reason for your existence. And nothing you can do can stop him from loving you. That doesn't guarantee our salvation, though. That does not guarantee our access to heaven. The only way we get to heaven is through coming into relationship with Jesus Christ. God loves me, yes, he does. But do I love him? Do I love him enough to receive his son? You know, I've, I've meant to be preaching at this Christmas carols thing at the end of the year. And I um, woke up last night, probably... Three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. I don't know what time it was. And I felt God just drop this message in my soul for that event. It's like, over, it's like six months away. And uh, I'm just like, holy moly, hopefully I hope they remember it. But, uh, but the whole idea of that message will be, God started it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. God started it. What did He start? He started giving. He started the gift-giving process. Why do we give gifts at Christmas? Because God started it. God started. It. He sent His Son. He gave Jesus to us. And uh, there's only one thing that makes giving amazing, and it's not giving. I don't. I don't feel great just by giving. I love seeing people receive. You know, so, if there's a gift that is given, that gift has to be received, right? And if it's received in a good way, you go, oh, that feels amazing. Like, it's actually something that person loves, right? And uh, I remember when I was a kid, I, um, I think uh, auntie and uncle, we went to my dad's for Christmas, and, and uh, my auntie and uncle there, they'd wrap this present and they gave us this present, and I unwrap it, and it's Monopoly. I go, I already got one of those. Right, typical kid. Mum's like, what? Don't you pull me out with the year. You just receive it and do it with a smile on your face. Don't be so rude. And uh, always sticks with me, that little story If I remember, um, I can't remember what uncle it was, but I just remember saying, no, I got one of those, what's next? And mum's like... <laughs> You know, that's bad. Don't do that, right? And uh, I was only a kid. I don't know how old I was. But, uh, but the beauty of giving is the ability to receive. God reveals himself through us to others. But that ability to receive Christ and say, you know what? I want this gift. I want it. I want this gift. Does that mean life's gonna be perfect? No. It does mean you won't do it alone. It does mean in those dark days that you won't won't be alone. You have someone walking alongside you that has the answers, that knows that you've got enough in you to get through. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.